Hey there everyone, it's Brendan here. And before we begin this week's crypto market update, I just wanted to remind everyone that when we're referencing these charts and graphics on the screen, that it's all going to be available on YouTube. So if you're interested in seeing what we're talking about, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crypto Market Update. And it's not just Brendan and Brendan with you today. We're joined by a familiar face, one that you all know very well, Mr. Bryce Paul. Bryce, how are you feeling? I almost forgot that TiVo's first name was Brendan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it might, we might have to beat. We might have to beep that out. We might have to beep it out. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> the forbidden. Things are good. Things are good. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Let's dive into it, guys. It's going to be uh, an exciting uh, market update. Obviously, lots going, lots going on in the market right now. So, uh, where should we start? Yeah, I mean, well, let's start off with Bitcoin, right? The the king of crypto. Uh, Bitcoin has officially reclaimed forty three thousand dollars, and most of the crypto market is rallying with it. I mean, we're seeing altcoins pop off. We're seeing Bitcoin go up really well. Pretty much everyone here is seeing a lot of upside, which is making the average crypto investor pretty happy. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen those charts recently. I've seen it trending all over crypto Twitter, but it is the inverse charts of Bitcoin where they flip the prices upside down and they're like, oh, it's going to be the biggest crash ever, but the prices are inverted. Um, <laughs> so it's just something to kind of catch all the bears off, give everyone a good laugh. Um, That's, but I think uh, really if you guys know the, the Twitter account Inverse Bra, uh, he, yeah, he started that. The, one of the original memers back, you know, seven or eight years ago, maybe even longer, uh, posting inverse charts and everybody freaking out and then realizing <laughs> he was just one of the original crypto trolls. Inverse Bra. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome because you get both sides, especially the people who don't like look into the details of what the picture actually is. So you get like both sides kind of commenting and then you get like the people in between that are recognizing what they're actually doing. Um, but I think they make a good point. Like if this were looked at from another perspective and a lot of people like to look at it from both sides of the, uh, of the spectrum, um, but things really do look bullish. We're seeing a great recovery. You know, last week we talked pretty heavily about everything that was happening with FTX and Grayscale and GBTC and all this stuff. And we kind of begged the question, like what would happen when the selling stopped? And while we're starting to see the selling definitely slow down. And with that, the buyers are still you know, very much here. And so even though we saw uh, several billion dollars in selling pressure, uh, the big other point that we wanted to make last week was we're still expecting about 90 billion dollars in inflows over the course of the rest of this year. So we've seen 10 billion. We're expecting another 90 billion from some of the analysts that we've talked to. And if that is going to continue to come in and the selling starts to dissipate, well, that has to be a pretty positive thing for the crypto markets. And we're already seeing that. And mm -hmm. You know, up until the past couple of days, Bitcoin dominance was back on the climb. Um, altcoins had a little altcoin season. Bitcoin dominance was dipping to its lowest point in quite some time. I mean, it was breaking the 200-day moving average. I'm sure we'll look at it on the charts in just a bit. Um, but now we're starting to see ETH 
compared to Bitcoin begin to climb again. And it just kind of yeah. goes to show, you know, again, Bitcoin's been one of the big gainers of the past couple of days. It's been preserving value actually really well inside of this dip, which was a big cause for why Bitcoin dominance was rising. And now that things are starting to move back up again, Ethereum is right in the thick of it. Uh, and it's actually outperforming Bitcoin almost three to one on the day. Wow. Yeah, no, it's it's been incredible to watch um, the kind of the rotation from pretty much a Bitcoin dominated cycle uh, throughout 2023. And then November and December of last year saw really just a huge contraction in Bitcoin dominance when altcoins went up two, three, four X. Um, I mean, some were up like 500 or 600 percent. It was, it was a pretty crazy uh, end of the year. Um, and then Bitcoin dominance started to tick back up as all those altcoins started to correct. But um, Brendan, as you just mentioned, uh, that ETH BTC ratio, um, you know, we could pull it up real quick um, and I'll just kind of walk through what I'm seeing. I mean, we, we're finding support here at the 50 day moving average, which is super key. Um, and we're also finding support at like a long term sort of volume point of control that takes us all the way back um, through November. Uh, it's the most heavily traded price. Um, in the ETH BTC cross ratio. So uh, we do look like we're, we're setting up for, you know, kind of here was the, the, the real sort of capitulation bottom. Uh, you could see, you know, after, you know, what was, you know, years, it felt like of a downtrend. Bitcoin's just, you know, the only thing moving. Ethereum was dying. Um, the first of the year, really, that first week, uh, Bitcoin, uh, when it launched its ETF, that was the catalyst. You could see all this volume that launched it. So now we're in just a, a slight contraction. And you could probably just do a Fibonacci sort of retracement here. And you could see um, from the bottom to the top, we are probably, yep, we're at exactly a 50% retracement, yeah. right? So we are, you're getting half off right now um, relative to the high. So you see that you know, 0.5 level. So this is a good deal um, to me, you know, buying altcoins, buying Ethereum. Uh, especially when you see your your oscillator, this is kind of my momentum oscillator. It's a volume based, uh, what's kind of an, an on balance volume, um, and it's an oscillator. And uh, you could very clearly see, you know, at the peak of this market, uh, the oscillator peaked out. It was very very overbought. We've since corrected and, and started to turn back up, um, which makes sense, right? So we corrected and we're about to turn back up. So I, I'm bullish on this, and also BTC uh, US dollar, right? I mean. I drew out this div here just a moment ago, uh, a bullish uh, divergence here. Momentum, uh, you know, kind of this downward sort of momentum was weakening as prices were falling. So that was a classic bull div. And again, you went straight into what was a very key horizontal support zone um, based on price action, which was the, the high of the former range that we were in, right? The high of the former range, key support zone to test. We, we found support. And again, all these little nodules of trade volume, 34,000, 38,000, these are highly, highly traded um, sort of prices. But clearly, Bitcoin's momentum is, is you know, kind of <laughs> pushing back up through the zero line, um, trading, you know, bullish. I'm, I'm very bullish, actually, on, on where we're at right now. We are at the 50% retracement line uh, from peak to trough here. You can see this is going to be a little bit of resistance right here. You see, we're coming up against a volume point of control and a resistance line. So it could be offering a little bit of uh, resistance. You know, wouldn't be surprised to see maybe some consolidation, uh, maybe even run the lows back at 38 before kind of moving higher. Um, wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not short, um, definitely holding my spot, um, but probably not taking uh, much leveraged positions 
uh, in, in kind of a zone like this. And, and real quick, before we uh, kind of get off the charts here for a sec, like you mentioned, uh, Ethereum, uh, just, you know, obviously the stronger horse right now, um, found some great support at a volume point of control. Look, guys, taxes, they stink, but they're a part of life. And crypto taxes can particularly stink. And now the IRS, they're cracking down, increasing audits, and in turn, increasing your financial risk. So that's why I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Guard Dog by Crypto Tax Audit. Now, Guard Dog is kind of like car insurance, but for your taxes. Now, Guard Dog's an early warning indicator constantly scanning your financial landscape for audit risk, sending you monthly reports on the status of your IRS account and warning you about potential audits up to six months in advance. And if that happens, Guard Dog can work with you to correct any issues and potentially even help you avoid an audit altogether. And on top of all this, Guard Dog even detects when you're eligible for refunds that you might not have even known about. So stop worrying about your taxes and learn how you can get started by going to CryptoTaxAudit.com. Again, that's our newest sponsor, Guard Dog. You can find him at CryptoTaxAudit.com, and you can sign up today. A momentum is turning up, um, and I think you know it's a good place to kind of transition because Ethereum is now kind of, as you saw, kind of the, the, the bell of the ball relative to Bitcoin. Um, it's stronger than Bitcoin. Sure, there's going to be many altcoins that are probably stronger than Ethereum, and we can look at those. But really, if you take the two cornerstones of the market, it's Bitcoin, it's Ethereum, right? Those are the two most liquid tradable pairs. Um, and so when you see a big spike like we saw there on you know January 11th, uh, when, when Ethereum bottomed out in terms of Bitcoin and started to rally, that, that marked a big uh, inflection point. So now we're in a new regime that is um, how you would say pricing in an Ethereum ETF, right? All the hype, all the excitement with the Bitcoin ETF, that's in the rear view window. Markets are always forward looking. Now we're thinking what's next, what's next, right? Everybody's got a short-term sort of uh, mindset, <laughs> but in a short-term memory, because you know the Bitcoin ETF launched, now people are like, all right, what's next? You guys see Standard Chartered said that they, they think that this thing is coming. There's a huge bank, they're a 16 or a $17 billion bank in terms of market capitalization. They said that they think, um, this thing's coming in yeah. May. And we actually just talked uh, to James Seifert from Bloomberg Intelligence um, just the other day. And um, the, uh, James Seifert from Bloomberg Intelligence said the same thing. He's given it a 60% chance that the Ethereum ETF gets approved in May. So this, yep. as you guys know, uh, they see here, uh, ETH is projected to hit 4,000. They're basically saying, well, because Bitcoin, from the time that it's uh, Ethereum, or the Bitcoin ETF kind of got started uh, speculated on, it went up double by the time it, it was uh, announced to the time it launched. They're saying if the same thing happens with Ethereum, you know, it'd be around 4,000 bucks. I, I don't know about that comparison, but curious to, to hear about what you guys think on this Ethereum ETF. And uh, if you guys agree, disagree, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Yeah, I think it has to be a net positive, right? I mean, who, who, who wouldn't want something like that? And when you're talking about introducing a an Ethereum ETF to the traditional markets, to those same massive uh, figures that we've talked about previous, we've you know mentioned BlackRock and everyone else in between, it would really only be a net positive thing. You're getting exposure out there to the essentially just the decentralized version of the internet. Um, if you look at like how much of the modern blockchain world is built on Ethereum, it's 
massive. Like most of crypto wouldn't exist today if Ethereum just poofed out of existence. And if, you know, say even if Ethereum was never invented, like most of the crypto projects that we know just wouldn't be around. Yeah. So Ethereum has not only pioneered the way for crypto as we know it today, um, but also just a drastic amount of projects are built on top of it. And thus people want to have some sort of exposure to it. And that's really what this is all about. And this wouldn't be happening if there was an institutional interest in Ethereum. And I think that this is actually coming a lot faster than most of us were thinking it would in the first place. I mean, the initial thought, at least from my perspective, is, hey, we'll get a Bitcoin ETF. We'll let that sit. You know, it'll test the waters for everything. Then down the road, after traditional finance is used to this, then they'll apply for an Ethereum ETF. Then we'll get it approved a little while after that. But that's really just not the case. I mean, we got the Bitcoin ETF applications. Then right afterwards, we got the Ethereum ETF applications. Bitcoin's ETF was just approved. And now we're already talking about this Ethereum ETF approval. Uh, and it just kind of goes to show that these people who are driving this are yeah. really eager to get their hands on it. And I kind of, again, I just think that's really telling of where we're at right now. Yeah, and it's not even just that they're like launching these ETFs. Um, they're marketing these things wildly. Yeah. I mean, I, I was scrolling, you know, I, I'm always Googling just different things about Bitcoin or crypto. And obviously I get targeted with all these ads. But um, I saw one that was Franklin Templeton. Now, Franklin Templeton uh, on Google, right? Just advertising for Bitcoin ETFs. Um, Franklin Templeton's not the only one. Um, there's probably a bunch of other ones on Google. I don't know if you guys have seen any. Um, but again, that's, you know, they manage a one and a half trillion dollars and they're starting to advertise their Bitcoin ETF, which they launched. And I'm sure, um, again, this is Google. Google used to have really, really, really strict advertising policies. Um, Tivo, what do you know about this? You're on the, uh, you're on the ad Frank, side. Yeah, Franklin Templeton pin tweet, a penny saved is a Satoshi earned. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so we were, let's go through their media. So I remember the week that they launched it, they definitely hired somebody that I know I would have a good time with because they started posting all types of memes. Like it, I morning. saw they said, we're turning the keys over to our digital assets department for the next 24 hours. Yeah, I like, I, I'm surprised. I was like, watch, looking at their Twitter. I'm like, that's something I would have done. I, I was very proud of the Franklin <laughs> Templeton. Uh, the Franklin eyes. Templeton. Yeah, the, I was proud of their uh, social media team, but I also wondered, I was like, who did they hire and what was that interview like? And how do we... <laughs> get that guy <laughs> but um in terms of interest so i know they they also just um what google's crypto ad policy changed as well this week yeah. so ads are now live on google um i think uh brendan you had some notes on that right yeah so to kind of run it back and give everyone who's listening a bit of history uh to the topic here Google first banned crypto ads back in 2018. It was right after the big run-up. There was a nasty crash. They ended up banning crypto ads. Um, now, later, they actually opened this up to wallets and some exchanges over around 2021. And this is starting to kind of change in the current day because now we're starting to see Google become a little bit more lenient. And now they are opening up ads to these ETF providers. So people like BlackRock, Fidelity, Franklin Templeton, Van Eyck, Invesco, names that most of us are very familiar with, they're starting to say, okay, you know, we will extend the, the area of crypto ads to you. Now, why is this important? Because number one, these are <laughs> some of the biggest, most wealthy companies on earth 
that clearly want to push a lot of ads out to people. They know how to optimize them. They know how to drive traffic. These are people saying we want to drive traffic to the crypto industry. Uh, but on the flip side of things, we've seen like other other platforms um, really kind of push crypto ads here recently, most notably with YouTube. And I have to talk about this um, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. But my only hope here is that Google will do a better job managing, I guess, who is allowed to advertise, which they already are pretty strict on. But I hope that they do a better job at it than YouTube because what I've seen on YouTube here lately is all of these like really bad AIs and deep fakes of like Michael Saylor and like Brad Garlinghouse and people from Solana talking a to lot you of deep first, fakes. Yeah. yeah. And the first things out of their mouth are send me like Solana or Ethereum and we're doing this giveaway and we'll give you double back and all you have to do is send me your Solana and Ethereum. And it's the like the most obvious scams that are available. So, you know, if you're if you're seeing those, don't fall victim to the scams. You know, the more exciting that the market gets, the more scams that are going to be out there. They're constantly getting more creative. They're constantly trying to steal your crypto, and that's because it is becoming increasingly more valuable. So that's really just the point that I wanted to kind of hammer home here is that fingers crossed uh, Google is going to be able to do a better job about managing these things than YouTube. They have in the past, and I just want them to continue doing it in the future. So I actually piggybacked off the Google uh, news, and I went, this is just a Google Trends chart that you can create pretty easily, but it'll just give you a little visual on um, searching. And so like we always look for the interest of the retail, like whether I think we can talk about the Coinbase app after this, but this was the Google searches. And so uh, our, our chart here is blue is just the search term crypto. The orange uh, reddish color is Bitcoin and yellow is Ethereum. And it's over the last 90 days. And so you can see obviously with the orange red line here with Bitcoin, like that spikes right when the ETF gets launched and even Ethereum had a small tick up. Um, but I, I, two things I find really interesting that I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. One was a couple tick ups for Bitcoin here and there, but pretty mostly flat. Um, and especially same pretty flat for crypto Ethereum searches. And then obviously a huge tick up for the ETF and then right back down to the flat line. Um, and even some, some dips after that. So I, 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 I don't know what that means, honestly, but it, the, the retail public doesn't seem to have, be holding interest even after the Bitcoin ETF approval. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, even if you look at, um, for instance, like other indications of, of retail interest or sentiment, you know, one thing I track is um, the Coinbase sort of downloads. Um, it's a really, you know, it's like the first sort of place that people go when they hear about crypto or they want to buy crypto. Um, oh, go download Coinbase, right? And so you'll see at previous market cycle tops back in April of 2021, November of 2021. Um, I'm, I'm sure if you go back and look at market cycle tops in the past, um, but right now Coinbase is like way off the charts low in terms of like, you know, kind of to substantiate your point, TiVo, there's not that much uh, <laughs> retail in the market right now. People are still kind of jaded. I think, you know, with inflation, people are, you know, very clearly spending a lot more. So there's less sort of, you know, marginal dollars to invest, especially the people that might be buying crypto as a retail person, right? I mean, just normal people, mom and pop, 
you know, kids in college, uh, you know, fresh out of school, whatever. I mean, you know, most people don't have a lot of disposable income right now. Um, I, I think that's fair to say just with, um, you know, of, of course, you know, there, there's not a lot of large like debt loads and like the, the debt to service ratios are low. Um, but I think from in a really real, real way, like the middle class um, is, is, is struggling a bit. And so I think that can kind of inform why we're seeing like, like you just showed their, uh, you know, Coinbase app downloads way, way, way low. Um, once that turns and, and once Coinbase is, you know, top 10, I mean, you're going to be towards the top of the market. I think the most important thing I want listeners to, to hear right now is if you think we're near a top, we are far from a top. Okay. So just understand that again, that's not financial advice. This is not like, you know, factor or whatever. This is my opinion, but based on a lot of the evidence and data that we collect, we just see there's no indications that this is, this is a top. So um, from that perspective, again, you know, looking at like some of the retail data, some of the mania, the sentiment, sentiment's still kind of low. Sentiment is, is just not there. I mean, you could see just nobody's, um, you know, really speculating, but prices are still staying strong and grinding higher. So that's like, and, you know, there, there's institutions yeah, that, that are accumulating. A hundred percent. I think that if one thing that orange line there that clearly is at that, you know, a hundred percent, you know, raise mark over that 90 day period there is... People are peeking in like you don't want to miss out like, oh, am I missing out again? Am I going to do I need to FOMO in right now? And I guess the price action wasn't enough over this, you know, eighth to 11. So that's one week. Mm -hmm. That's one week right there. People are checking. Am I do I need to FOMO in? And so the 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 ears are listening. They, they know it's there. I guess they just didn't feel the FOMO quite yet. But I think that if anything, that little candle right there shows you that, you know, yeah. there's people listening. And, and when the price starts going that that FOMO will hit again just like history repeats itself time and time again yeah and Absolutely. I think people are already starting to get a bit of FOMO I mean price went up to 49,000 from the ETF approval it fell everyone was talking about how it could fall further and then here Bitcoin is already on the rebound already passing 43,000 and I can already sense a bit of FOMO in the air of people going oh no like, did I miss the dip buy opportunity that was right in front of my face? Is this thing going to just keep going from here? And I'm already starting to see like some early stages of FOMO kind of come out to the spotlight. And so, you know, it just goes to show you that we are still very much in a buy the dip market. You know, we're still very much in a bullish market where buying the dip is one of the best strategies yeah. out there. And this was no exception to that. And the I, gasoline... I the gasoline on the fire, I think, once this thing really gets going, is the mass adoption of your, yeah. obviously, the financial institutions. Um, but just the day-to-day -day companies that we use, know, and, and hopefully love or dislike. But, you know, something like Visa. Like, everybody knows what Visa is. Yeah. It's one of the top-performing stocks in the stock market this year. And they're announcing awesome partnerships. So, Brendan, you want to break that one down for us? Yeah, I mean, I saw this one in the news, and I thought it was awesome. Um, but it could have some... some I guess a, a bit of a unique impact, right? Um, so originally the title goes, Visa enables crypto withdrawals on debit cards in 145 different countries, which is massive. Basically worldwide, Visa is enabling crypto withdrawals. Now, what does this mean? Well, this means that MetaMask users can now sell crypto directly to a crypto or to a Visa card, excuse me, uh, which essentially kind of eliminates the need to use centralized exchanges. And that's what I was kind of alluding to when I was, you know, kind of precursoring this. But this might actually be something that competes with centralized 
exchanges because now people are able to store pretty much buy and sell directly to um, several really popular wallets, MetaMask included there. And now they're not only able to buy, but they're also able to sell. And so that kind of begs the question, you know, is this going to attract people away from centralized exchanges? Maybe, you know, that's why the Coinbase numbers are down is because there are alternative uh, avenues out there, whether it's the ETFs or whether it's just going through a wallet now. Uh, the big thing that we have seen happen over the last couple of years, especially from the bear market entering back into the bullish cycle that we're in, is that there has been such a direct effort to make crypto more accessible to everyone. And that's in all stages, not just the, the simple buying and selling, but also the trading, the decentralized applications that we call dApps, whatever it may be, there's been a huge push to make crypto just completely accessible and as user-friendly as possible. Uh, and this is just another step in that direction. Visa is a huge um, leader, I guess, in the payment side, right? Because uh, oh, yeah. Austin Federa was telling us about their partnership with Solana um, not too long ago as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and I, one of one of the other cool things is that, you know, and I think we talked about this earlier, but Grayscale's volume is, is slowing down here, uh, which is pretty much just indicating that there is a decline in sell pressure. And Bryce, I think this is something that, you know, you were talking about, which is, uh, you know, pretty exciting for a lot of the buyers, for a lot of the bulls out there. Look, guys, taxes, they stink, but they're a part of life. And crypto taxes can particularly stink. And now the IRS, they're cracking down, increasing audits, and in turn, increasing your financial risk. So that's why I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Guard Dog by Crypto Tax Audit. Now, Guard Dog is kind of like car insurance, but for your taxes. Now, GuardDog's an early warning indicator constantly scanning your financial landscape for audit risk, sending you monthly reports on the status of your IRS account and warning you about potential audits up to six months in advance. And if that happens, GuardDog can work with you to correct any issues and potentially even help you avoid an audit altogether. And on top of all this, GuardDog even detects when you're eligible for refunds that you might not have even known about. So stop worrying about your taxes and learn how you can get started by going to CryptoTaxAudit.com. Again, that's our newest sponsor, Guard Dog. You can find him at CryptoTaxAudit.com, and you can sign up today. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that's important to understand is like, you know, the price has, you know, fallen since the, uh, you know, all the ETFs have launched. Um, you saw all that interest. I think everybody kind of just walked away after that. They're like, oh, prices are, are going down, so I'm, I'm going to wait or whatever. Um, but And you can see most of that selling um, that brought prices lower uh, was the fact that the Grayscale Trust uh, had had you know billions and billions of dollars um, that they were selling onto the market. These are people that had been locked up in this trade for, for years, potentially, um, as it, it has been a closed-ended fund that there was um, you know no redemption, basically. People were stuck. Um, this was a uh, what people called the widowmaker trade, um, and people were were contributing Bitcoin into this fund um, in order to to kind of lock in a, a a premium cash and carry trade. You know, yield twenty percent annualized, and then all of a sudden it started uh, no longer trading at a premium, but it started trading at a discount, and it went down, you know, lower than fifty percent discount. And so um, FTX and many of these you know companies that went bankrupt held a lot of this. 
um, and they had you know, massive impairment on their balance sheet. And once this kind of got back to parity, um, they were eager to, to pull the trigger and, and be a price insensitive seller. Um, basically meaning we don't care what price we get out at. We, you know, the markets li got liquidity uh, right here and we're, we're going we're gonna to just drop the hammer. And they moved the price down pretty far. And what TiVo's got pulled up here, you could just see that the, the volume and the flows going into all of these ETFs. And uh, again, James Seyfert, uh and Eric Balkinis from uh, Bloomberg Intelligence you know, are tracking all this. This is not our original research or data here. Um, we're referencing theirs because they're the best in the business, so you might as well. Um, and they just show that the sell volume or just the overall volume on Grayscale is declining. And the overall volume on mainly the Bitcoin uh, ETFs from BlackRock and Fidelity, the volumes there are rising. So, and, and most people are buying the, the, the Fidelity and the BlackRock shares and they're selling the Grayscale shares. So you see declining sell pressure, increasing buy volume. The prices have been moving higher. This is a sweetheart setup. Um, I think there's, you know, most of the selling is, is done in the Grayscale redemptions. And um, it was a really, it was a forced seller. It was a capitulation. It was a fire sale. It was a liquidation, right? And I always say, when is it ever a bad idea to buy from someone like that? Yeah. You're probably getting a good deal. If this person is so eager to get out, right? If this person is so eager to sell at any price, you know, it's probably a good person to be buying from. Um, and yeah, th this asset to me, um, you know, Bitcoin, uh, obviously crypto, all these things, going much higher in both the near term with the having, which is something that we're not even going to talk about today. Uh, the having obviously, you know, coming up in, in two or three months in, in April, um, that's going to be crazy. Um, it's just, just a whole lot of good stuff in the near term. And obviously all this stuff has, you know, that long tail effect, which just continues to, to add more, um, sustainability to the trend, I would think. So. Yeah. You know, couldn't agree more with you, Bryce. You know, one of the the other things that we've seen here is a ton of attention going towards uh, Solana. And I've been tracking this. I think it's been on most people's radar. I mean, heck, we've been talking about it a lot over in Crypt Nation and especially during these altcoin alert calls. Um, but Solana has been going bonkers here recently. And so I wanted to share with, uh, excuse me, I wanted to share a few metrics with everyone um, because Solana actually just hit a new multi-month high in transaction volume. So what we're seeing is that Solana's transaction volume surged to around 951 billion for the month of January alone. And you know, this month's not even over yet. We still have all today, we still have all tomorrow. And so it's possible that Solana breaks a trillion dollars in volume this month alone. Now, if you're thinking that's a lot, if we look at last month, December, this is a 30% rise from what we saw in December, which was a $735 billion of volume in that month. And that alone was its own multi-month high. And so what we're seeing here is a ton of attention, a ton of volume, a ton of transactions, and also a ton of users um, be directed towards the Solana ecosystem. And so just the other day, Solana passed both Bitcoin and Ethereum in daily transactions. And it also saw one of its decentralized exchanges, which we call DEXs, uh, that goes by the name of Jupiter, pass Uniswap, which is the largest decentralized exchange in the world uh, that is native to Ethereum. Well, it passed that in volume. So one of Solana's DEXs passed the largest decentralized exchange in the world 
uh, Uniswap in volume. And so we're just seeing a ton, again, a ton of attention and really good signs come out of the Solana ecosystem and people are excited about it. So Solana is something that we're watching really closely here. And I think it's a, it's a good segue to kind of dive into the charts because what other better way to kind of see, uh, you know, what's happening as a result of all this positive news than looking at the price itself. So let's go ahead and throw up a Solana chart here for everyone. And uh, we can kind of see exactly what is happening. So, you know, forgive my, my little charting. Again, it's been something that I've been watching pretty close here. But as Solana has broken out of this bull flag over here on the daily chart, you can kind of see that it was just, again, downwards consolidation. We oftentimes refer to this as a falling parallel channel via a bull flag, which is what led to this breakout. And so it was able to rally off the lows of about $78 down here all the way back up through the 50-day moving average, which is that pink slash red line that we have, and then also through the 20-day moving average, which is the bluish line. Now, after it broke up right through both of these, you can see that it did what we like to call a break, a hook, and a go, where it started closing above these major moving averages, not only closing above them, but kind of bouncing off them, and then just shooting like a jetpack right to the upside. Yeah, the break hook and go, it's it's the same thing as like, you know, a breakout of resistance and then a subsequent retest of that resistance um, for, 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 for those who might be more familiar with that terminology. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're kind of looking at this thing saying, hey, not only are the technicals, like not only is the chart looking pretty solid on Solana, but like the fundamental side of things, there's a lot of great news. I know that they've had a ton of activity. We've talked about their airdrops. We've talked about their daily active users, all of this stuff. It's kind of like a perfect blend over here. And, you know, this is something that we talked about, I think on our beginning of the year market update, but man, if you were to rewind a year ago and kind of tell someone in the future that, hey, Solana is going to have all of these statistics. It's going to be passing Ethereum and Bitcoin in these different metrics. Most people, I would say 99% of people would look at you and say, you are crazy. There's no way that's going to happen. And yet here we are. Solana's had a great recovery story and they've proven that they never needed FTX to kind of become the force that they are today. Uh, and that's reassuring knowing that they have that kind of independency when a year, two years ago, people didn't think that. So and submit to them because I, I know I've said it a couple times, but like Austin Federer has been on twice. I know we had Solana Mobile on this year. Like that ecosystem was excited to get their voice out and be heard even when they were down in the dumps. And, you know, yeah. obviously there's marketing your product. But when we interviewed them and you can you know hear the interviews in our catalog is like they were excited. They were excited. They wanted to come on. They want they invited us to Amsterdam to go to their event, you know, they, they wanted people to hear their story. And, and I think that's a testament to, to their community, their team. Absolutely. Well, when we're looking at the Bitcoin side of things, Bitcoin is, you know, or I guess Solana is not the only crypto out there uh, that has seen some, pro some positive price action. Bitcoin actually very slightly peaked below the lows over here. Again, we've seen this kind of be a range for it for a while. But it did peak just below this before it saw a really fast recovery back inside of this kind of sideways consolidation zone between the lows that we're used to and then this yearly high of around 49,000. And so kind of the big concern for a lot of people was, 
as we alluded to the idea of the break hook and go earlier, you know, the big concern here was, is Bitcoin going to do a bearish break hook and go? And the answer was a definite no. So as soon as it broke down, it saw a ton of buyers come in, shoot the price back up, not only back into kind of this, this bullish, you know, sideways consolidation zone that we've been in, but also above the 20 and 50 day moving average as well. And so now we have Bitcoin not only closing above the 20, but also closing above the 50 day moving average and price is still climbing. Now, Ethereum's in a similar boat. It's not above the 20 yet, but it is above the 50 as of today. And so Ethereum's outperforming Bitcoin about three to one today. So, um, or at least it was. Um, and so Ethereum's up about 2.6% and Bitcoin's up 0.8%. And so what this means is that we're starting to finally see a climb, a relief in Ethereum uh, dominance in comparison to Bitcoin. Now, if we roll back to just a few weeks ago at the beginning of January, we can see that there was this giant climb in Ethereum dominance. It went all the way above the 200-day moving average. This is something that it hasn't been able to do really in over a year. Um, and likewise, we saw Bitcoin dominance fall beneath its 200-day moving average, which is something that also hasn't happened in a year. And so today is one of those days where Bitcoin dominance is starting to retrace just a little bit. ETH dominance is beginning to climb. And as the buyers are coming back, we kind of see this happen where people look at altcoins because they know that they can get more out of them, uh, mainly because of the size of their market caps being smaller so that you know they know that they can invest maybe a smaller amount of money and see a potentially greater return. And so there's attention just like this one, like all across the board. I know Sui was another one that we've been talking about. We've been paying attention to it. Uh, if you're one of the the Crypt Nation listeners that is listening in, you know we've actually talked about Sui quite a bit in the past. I think we've actually even done a full newsletter on this thing. And I think man, we've had them on what the podcast too? Yeah, and yeah, I mean, heck, we've had them on the podcast. Uh, and they're doing they're they're a bunch of former like Facebook developers that went over and started Libra. If you guys remember Facebook Libra Coin, which eventually got stopped. It was like David Marcus uh, was doing this thing and um, high up at Facebook. And then, yeah, they had to pull the plug on it for whatever political reasons or re regulatory reasons. So all those people at Libra left Facebook and Libra and started Sui or Sui. Yeah, we had, we had them on six months ago. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go back into the catalog, episode 552, we do a deep 552 was six months ago? Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Time flies when we're having fun, right? Yeah, man. Well, yeah. I mean, there's just lots of great things. I mean, we could probably talk about charts all day. Um, but for the sake of time, you know, that's what we're seeing. Again, things are looking bullish. Does it mean that things, does it mean that prices can't fall to new lows? I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I think that the longer that we're doing the kind of movements that we are, uh, it becomes increasingly less likely things are looking increasingly more bullish so i wouldn't say that you know a fall maybe into the mid 30s is completely unreasonable but again i just think that the longer we continue this trend upwards the less likely it is becoming so mid to long term i'm still very very bullish you know bryce i'll loop you in here kind of get your your thoughts yeah, on it as I mean, well but throw up or I'll, I'll do it since you, you just closed yours let me uh boom 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 okay so that's uh that's render obviously bullish on it here's my watch list i wanted to show you guys 
um, Solana in terms of Ethereum. So this is Sol. So like what's, you know, if you take a look at this chart, what's stronger, Solana or Ethereum? You could see in this period of time, when this chart was falling, Ethereum was stronger than Solana. Now Solana bottomed out, okay? During the FTX sort of collapse and very clearly has, has rallied hard. And so this seems like it, it's continuing to have some strong momentum. Um, you do have, you know, a rollover in some momentum. You got a rollover in some momentum. So, you know, this could be, you know, closer to uh, a blow off top where we could have, you know, a really sharp move followed by a contraction, um, you know, basically blowing up past the highs and then contracting and sort of consolidating on the highs as the momentum catches back up. So Solana versus ETH is, is bullish. Um, you know, Solana versus Bitcoin is also bullish. Sorry, this is a mess, but let me go to, uh, got all sorts of different alarms there. So, you know, you could see, uh, very clearly, you know, showing a, you know, a series of, you know, bull flag corrections and breakouts. Looks like we're on uh, kind of on the precipice of, of another breakout, um, you know, expecting strong sort of altcoin seasonality. Um, you know, we did, you know, roll over on momentum here. Um, so, but we are, we're, we're, you know, actually oversold, um, on this moment. This is a kind of like a, an RSI oscillator. Um, so kind of an interesting little, uh, momentum indicator. And we've also got, you know, our on, our on balance volume, um, which is still bullish on this. So yeah, altcoin's still looking strong. Um, and yeah, soul in terms of the dollar, uh, breaking out, you know, it's funny, we drew this pattern out um, on one of our calls um, back on the 5th of January, where it was in this contraction, we said, you know, it's going to be a bull flag, um, but we need to test the uh, this angle and break out. And I just left this one up and it's it's pretty much worked out to a T. Um, so that's good to see. Um, the dollar uh, is not strong against crypto right now. Um, and, and if we want to move on here before we uh, run out of time, I wanted to pull up MakerDAO. Um, MakerDAO from a fundamental standpoint, um, or from a technical standpoint first, you know, it's, it's hitting up against this volume weighted average price from the peak. Um, you can see we're, we're bumping up against resistance, but, uh, we're above, you know, the 200 week moving average. You just had a golden cross, uh, of the 20 week and the 200 week moving average. You kind of look on a daily time frame. Um, let's get rid of some drawings here, you know, clear, clear sort of, um, you know, bull flag forming. Um, I'm bullish on this. And if you kind of look at what they're doing in terms of, of profits um, on an annualized basis, actually, and uh, Tivo, I'll have you, sh I'll have you throw up the, uh, the tweet from Vance Spencer, who is a crypto hedge fund legend. Um, he runs a fund called framework. He, he tweeted out just uh, the other day um, that he noticed $120 million of annualized profit Jeez. for MakerDAO. And MakerDAO takes parts of that profit. Um, I think something like half of it or, or up to a certain cap, maybe 50 million or 100 million, somewhere around there, um, and buys back MakerDAO tokens off of the market. So I think this is a really underrated narrative. And you can see he says, Maker soon with hat, which is kind of a meme, right? You know, dog with hat uh, was just this crazy meme coin that went up thousands and thousands of percent. Maker's doing a rebrand. And it's not like as yeah. meme uh, as, or, or, or it's not as, as meme-ish <laughs> as, there it is, um, as dog with hat, but they're re-denominating their token. And so 
the maker token at two thousand dollars, they're going to come up with a new governance token where you'll be able to get um, smaller units for your token. So you'll you know you got instead of one maker token at two thousand dollars, you'll have you know twenty thousand maker tokens at a few cents. Um, and so they're going to re-denominate that. So it should be pretty interesting. Um, and as we saw, one of our buddies over at the tie, Josh Frank, Eric Sabursky, uh, two of our good friends and legends in the space as well, did a research, sort of a, a quick research report showing uh, unit bias and how it exists. And what they yeah. found was historically, the smaller the unit, the lower the price, even if the market cap is high. I mean, most people don't really understand the concept of market cap. So people... You know, if you if they saw in the last bull market, the best performing coins on average were coins that were priced below ten cents. That's pretty crazy. So, um, you know, unit bias, um, one of those crazy weird uh, things that doesn't make sense logically, but it exists. Yeah, and, and another kind of cool thing about Maker is I was looking at like where it stands in terms of protocol revenue compared to every other protocol out there. Uh, and they're actually number one in the last 30 days, which means that Maker is beating Lido, MetaMask, Aave, PancakeSwap, GMX, like you name it. They are number one in the last 30 days at $14.22 million. So, wow. you know, it. when if you're looking at any kind of like traditional company, you're going to look at their revenue. Like, are they profitable? How profitable are they? I would say kind of a similar thing goes with crypto. You know, if you're seeing the number one most profitable, you know, revenue-based protocol out there. Um, for me, that's a big green flag. And I think for a lot of people, you know, it likely is as well. Yeah. For, but, for any for any folks who are out there who are fundamental sort of analysts in the equities market, take a look at Maker. Um, you you might be surprised. And full disclosure, all the coins that we talk about here on the show in, in one way or another, TiVo, Brendan, myself, people who help us produce the podcasts, affiliates of ours, businesses that we're involved with. We hold exposure to a lot of the tokens that we talk about. We want to be fully transparent with that. But who would we be if we were talking all this stuff and we didn't have skin in the game? So we've, we've got skin in the game. We just want you guys to know um, that, you know, for instance, Maker, we spent a lot of time talking about it. Solana, we spent a lot of time talking about it. You know, we, we've got exposure to these assets. We believe in them. We truly are drinking our own Kool-Aid here. And uh, we're not just talking about how we think this is the future of finance, but we're, we're putting all of our eggs kind of in the crypto basket. Of course, you know, we've still got some diversification there, but as Tivo once rent. said, never go all in. <laughs> no, and I, and I look forward to hopefully uh, announcing a jet ski on this podcast uh, this, this year, <laughs> this bull run. That's, that's the goal. That's the end goal. If that's not, why am I in? Yeah. Good stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, sentiment is looking great, gentlemen. I know we're all excited about it. And I hope that the listeners who are kind of joining us here, uh, I hope that you can just get a fraction of our excitement and then really just see why we're so bullish on everything that's happening here. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Again, this is going to be your number one source for everything that's happening in the great world of crypto. It doesn't matter if it's the technicals on the charts or the fundamentals in the news. We're here to bring it to you in a fairly timely fashion because we understand that you all really shouldn't have to go and spend hours and hours and days of research finding this all out and having to understand it yourself. So we want to be the ones to do that for you. So thanks for tuning in to this week's crypto market update, and we will see you at the same time, same place next week. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.